Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we are all here and that we can all gather together uh, to, to just love you, to learn about you. Um, and, and hopefully tonight, each one of us walk away with something, something new, something that we've heard before that may be in a different way. As always, God, I just pray that you would use me and that it wouldn't be me up here speaking, but it would be you through me, God, because my words don't matter, but your words do. Uh, We thank you again, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us this opportunity to meet in the freedom that we have. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so we're moving towards the end of Acts at this point. If you guys have been following along, um, we've been going kind of chapter by chapter. So tonight I have Acts 23 and 24. And things are getting intense for Paul, which I feel like happens a lot. Paul is just one of those guys, you know. Um, I have two boys. I I talk about my kids a lot, but I have two boys. I have uh, my oldest son, Jonah. He's very cautious, and he thinks everything through very intensely. Um, He's a lot like his daddy. My husband is brilliant, a very deep thinker, and everything is thought through from head to toe, right? Uh, my youngest son, Emerson, uh, is very fearless, and he does not think things through, like even remotely. Uh, so guess which one chaos follows, right? I mean, chaos follows both of them because they're boys, but um, Emerson, it's just every time you turn around and you're like, how? Like, how did that happen? And I feel like every time I read the different uh, you know, letters from Paul, I'm just like, man, how is this happening to you? Like, it's just all the time, right? Um, and in these last, you know, chapters of Acts, we've been looking a lot at these different situations that Paul seems to be fearless, right? But, but in, in a situation that it absolutely would make sense to have fear, right? To, we are humans, you know, that's a very real feeling that we have. Um, so what we're going to kind of focus on tonight is how Paul responds. Um, in therapy, we have a saying, and you guys have probably all heard it, but it's used a lot kind of in the therapeutic setting. And it's, uh, you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control what happens in you, right? How you respond. Life is going to, like, be crazy. Uh, and it is for everyone on a variety of levels. And how the only thing we can control... Uh, obviously, besides having faith in God and trusting him, is how we respond to that, right? Um, So how does Paul respond? I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at that. Okay, so at this point, we're in Acts 23. Uh, It doesn't look good for Paul, but God shows up, as he does. So Acts 23, 11, in the NIV, it says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. That's up on the screen. Um, Okay, so what is courage? In the dictionary, it says the ability to do something that frightens one. But then another saying, another definition is strength in the face of pain or grief, which I love that um, because... Well, it's just cool. Then I looked up, because I have kids, uh, I looked up, you know, courage for kids, right? And it says, standing up for what you know is right, even when you are afraid and others do not stand with you. The Greek here in this verse, take courage, 
Uh, it means good courage, good cheer, or bold. Um, but this Greek word courage was actually used in other parts of scripture. Uh, and I'm pretty sure those are up here too. We got Matthew 9 2. Aha. And they brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. And then we're also in Matthew, again, Matthew 9.22. And Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. And then again we see it in chapter 16, or John chapter 16.33. And it says, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. So in these three scriptures, it is the same phrase in the Greek as it is here with Paul. That take courage, right? Um, And the the interesting thing about this is in each of these situations where where Jesus is saying take courage, uh, a miracle follows, right? So he's saying, hey, take courage, but he's not saying just like, you know, you do you, take courage. He's saying, take courage, I'm here, right? Like, I'm with you in this. And henceforth, the miracle happens after that, right? And here we have Paul. He's in captivity, right? And the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage, right? So he never, ever tells us, take courage and good luck. (laughs) May the peace be with you, you know. Um, He says, take courage, I'm here. I've got you, I'm here, I'm in it. Uh, and, and you got this, right? You've got the paralyzed man, and eventually he, he said, take up your mat and walk, right? Go home. And then the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, like all these things, right? These miraculous healings after these people were told to take courage, but they were told that in the midst of Jesus' presence. And I think it's good for us to remember that, right? He doesn't ever just ask us to do something and leaves us standing there on the side of the road, like, best, best of luck to you there. Uh, Okay, so we see that. So we're encouraged in these situations to have courage in the midst of our pain, to have courage in the midst of our fear, to have courage in the midst of our grief. Uh, And how is that possible? Because sometimes it feels impossible, right? Um, But Jesus, that's how it's possible, right? So point number one, I don't know if we have these up here. It's very long, so sorry. Uh, I said Paul responds with courage, right? Because we're looking at how Paul responds. He responds with courage, and we can too. When courage happens, miracles happen. Because both courage and miracles happen where Jesus is. So things continue to get dicey for Paul in Acts 23, 12 through 13. Uh, The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves Uh, with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. It's not very nice, right? Uh, More than 40 men were involved in this plot. Paul's nephew helped him in this situation. So we see right here, Acts 23, 16, but when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went to the barracks and told Paul. Uh, I have a nephew. I love him dearly. Uh, And the thing that's really interesting about this situation is his nephew telling Paul led to Paul telling the guard to tell to take him up and tell tell the high man right and this resulted in Paul actually being moved safely to governor Felix right this was the transition the timeline here um and i think sometimes we just kind of pass over that 
But I didn't because I have an issue. I have an issue with accepting help. Uh, and so I thought, you know what? This, I think this is good right here. Paul was human. We are human, right? We need help. Now, could you imagine if Paul was like, you know, here, here comes his nephew and he says, hey, man, like 40 guys are going are, to like, they're going to do you in. Yeah, that's right, Pastor Ken. And, uh, and he was like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You just, just, it's good. You just go home. It's, it's all good. No worries. You know, chances are he would have died. Uh, and see, that's what I would have done because I have issues, right? I'd have been like, oh no, it's fine, Wes. Like you just go home, be safe. No worries. You know? Um, but, but he didn't, right? Paul accepted that help. And I think it's a, a good reminder too, for us that needing help is not a result of the fall, right? So there's a lot of things that are 100% a result of the fall. Thanks, Adam and Eve. Uh, But this is not one of those things, right? In Genesis 1.18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So in Hebrew, um, the word alone means separated. The word helper means to help. And the word suitable is in front of, inside of, or opposite to. I have action figures to demonstrate. (laughs) So we got a, we got Captain America. You know, these toys that I'm bringing are looking pretty good for being used by two boys for the last six years. Okay, so here we go. We got Spider-Man and Captain America. Now, when I was in college, I took a, I took uh, biblical Hebrew because it was awesome. And um, anyways, I remember talking to my Hebrew professor, and I was like, hey, you know, because there's a lot, sometimes we take a lot of things out of context in Scripture because, you know, we just, we do, and we got to do our research, and we got to study. Um, and she was, we were going through Genesis, and this, this word suitable, right, the word used here for I will make a helper suitable for him. We always, for some reason, well, at least I did. Maybe you did not do this. But I always thought it was like, okay, here's, here's the guy, and here's the girl, and he's like, I got you. And she's like, yeah, I'm your helper, and things are great. Okay, but that's not, that's not how it is, okay? The Hebrew word means like this, okay? Your same playing field, your equals, your opposites, but you're in front of each other, right? It's not this person's better or this person's better or this person's slightly elevated this way. They're right next to each other, right in front of. Exact opposites, right? Which is, you know the saying opposites attract, right? Uh, it's kind of like that, right? This Hebrew word. And the thing I love about Hebrew too uh, is it's really imagery focused. It's really pictorial, picture, pic, picturesque. Uh, and so they're trying to give an example of these two very equal parts that together make a whole, right? And yes, I understand that in this context, we are talking about man and woman, right? But this is, applies to all of us in the body of Christ. Um, no one's above another, right? We need to encourage and help each other as equals, Suitable, trustworthy helpers, right? Um, When someone we trust offers help, 
It can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when we turn them away, it's like, nah, God, I'm good, right? It's, it's saying, no, no, I'm, and like for me, my problem is I don't ever want to inconvenience anybody. I don't ever want anybody to go out of their way. I'm like, no, it's okay. Like, no, I'm good, you know? Um, but the reality is, is in, in many situations, I'm denying somebody the joy of being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And um, because it's, it's both ways, right? So Paul, another way he responds is he accepts help from someone he trusts, right? His nephew obviously is someone he trusts. And we can too because sometimes help from someone we trust is God-given. Okay, so Acts 24, uh, Paul defends his ministry. So Acts 24, 21 It says, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Because that was, they had a lot of problems with what Paul was doing. But their main thing was the concept that Jesus rose himself from the dead, right? Acts 24 through 24, 24 through 27. This is a long one. Okay, so several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. That's, is that the name of the evil stepsister in Cinderella? Or Drusilla, sorry. Oh my gosh, sorry. (laughs) Squirrel moment. Okay, anyways, going back. Okay, wait. Uh, His wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. And he said, that's enough for now. Uh, You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. Wow, a real stand-up guy here. Uh, So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by a name I won't attempt to say, uh, but he was succeeded in the line. Uh, But Felix, because, uh, because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Because remember, the Jews are like, not cool with Paul. Um... Okay, so just a little side note, because this is neat. Uh, So here Paul is in captivity. Again, Paul does this all the time, right? He's in captivity, and Felix, Governor Felix, calls him up and talks with him frequently, right? And he's hoping that Paul will offer him a bribe to get out of captivity. But he doesn't. Instead, Paul just keeps talking about Jesus, right? Which is amazing because it's like, he's like, oh, you know, maybe this guy will offer me a bride. And Paul's like, uh, well, about that righteousness and self-control. Um, anyways, I just think that's, I think that's fantastic. Okay. That was a side note. Going back. Sorry, guys. You're doing really good bearing with me. Uh, okay. We often forget that the Jewish people were culturally very religious, right? They served God faithfully. They had, they had very specific set of rules. They had very specific things that they did or did not do in order to best live a life pleasing to God, okay? And then Jesus came along, and he kind of flipped, flipped a little bit. Oh, here, we'll have Captain America flip. Flip. Good job, Captain America. Okay, anyways, so uh, Jesus came along and flipped some of their concepts uh, of faith and beliefs and stuff upside down, right? And they saw it as a threat. It was blasphemous. Like, this is not, no. 
So then after Jesus, you got the apostles, like Paul, who continued to live and speak of Jesus and live and speak according to what Jesus lived and spoke. And still, they were like, this is blasphemous, right? They saw it as a threat against their religion. I was doing a, I was reading a commentary about this. And this commentary said, they let their religion dictate their God instead of letting their God dictate their religion. They missed the marvel of the cross because they were looking for the ordinariness of a king. And I thought, that happens, right? That happens to us, even now. And I think in this chapter, it's kind of a, a warning for us, right? Sometimes we get stuck. It happens. Um, you know, we're all trying to live out our faith as best as we can. We're trying to work it out, right, as Scripture says. But sometimes we get stuck. We've been living out our faith in one way, and then someone comes along and brings a different perspective or a different experience than the way we've always done things, and we see it as a threat, right, or blasphemous. Instead of seeing it as a chance to learn and see more of God and how amazing he is. Um, some of my professors uh, who, you know, several of them were not necessarily AG affiliated. Um, incredible, incredible people of God who taught me so much, like just so much about faith and about living a, a right life and, and loving people dearly. And, you know, and if I would have just closed off I would have missed out from seeing so much awesomeness of how big God is, right? Sometimes, I, I talked about this last time with my little box demonstration, right, if you remember. Uh, and we, we do that to him, right? But it's like, imagine how our faith could grow if we were actually willing to learn from each other in our differences than to um, fight against each other in our differences, Right? In the end, you know, let's not let our thoughts or our expectations overrule what God's word says, right? That's, I mean, as Bible-believing Christians, that's the end-all be-all, right? So point number three, Paul, uh, he was always ready to take responsibility, right, and defend his faith, because that's what he's doing in Acts 24, Uh, and Uh, The more we learn and the more we grow, uh, the more we are able to take responsibility uh, and to defend our faith, right? And and we talk to the youth a lot about this um, because I always tell them (laughs) I'm very passionate uh, because I have seen, Stuart and I have seen um, a lot of adults in our generation that are doing something now called deconstructing which is where you take each part of your faith and you kind of break it down to the core, and a lot of people walk away from their faith due to this, right? Because as adults, they're starting to now think critically through some of the things that, as kids, they were just told to believe, right? And so something that Stuart and I are very passionate about with our youth is um, that hopefully, Lord willing, by the time they're out of youth, right, they're 18, they're moving on, they're graduated, they have a faith that is completely 100% their own, right? They are able to defend what they believe, they're able to say, I believe this and why, right? And they're not going out into the world brainwashed Christians that just have, you know, some kind of something answer to just kind of band-aid answer, just slap on things, right? 
They're convicted in what they believe. They're strong in what they believe. Um, and Because my heart would just be broken if they got out into the world and they were slapped around because that's what happens, right? And, and then their whole faith came crashing down, right? Um, I mean, it happens even as adults. We, life gets so hard and, and then we start questioning and then we start doubting and, and then boom, just like that, your whole world is crumbling, right? And for people who identify in a faith, right, you say, I am a Christian or I am, a, you know, uh, all your identity is really wrapped in that. And so, you know, just like this, right, Paul is at a drop of the hat ready to defend why he believes what he believes, um, now, obviously, you know, Paul had a pretty radical encounter with Jesus. Um, but it's so funny because I talked to my dad about this a lot. And um, he, you know, there's scripture that talks about, you know, you have your testimony, right? Like there's, at the end of the day, uh, you've got your testimony. And that is something that no one can take away from you, right? Um, and the fact is, you may have a moment, a testimony moment, right? Where maybe your conversion happened uh, or you rededicated your life. That was the situation for me. I was, I was raised in a Christian home by wonderful parents. I'm very blessed. Um, but I had a moment when I was 15 that I rededicated, right? It, my faith became my own. Jesus really showed up for me. But my life is a testimony, right? Different trials, different tribulations, um, and, and where I am today is a reflection of that. So, like, as we defend our faith, as we stand up, as we say, this is why, um, as we look into the validity of Scripture, because I, I love to talk about that with the youth, too, right? The, the, um, because sometimes, today, like, oh, it's a 2,000-year-old document, you know? Is it really? Did God really say? Uh, you know, and, and it's so cool, because when you actually dive into it, you do see the validity of Scripture, something that's, you know, thousands of years old. And, it's, and it's, it's holding true in its historical truth, in its cultural truth, in its, you know, I mean, just geographical truth, right? Um, but if you don't know that, you can't say that, right? So if somebody comes up to you and says, well, why is the Bible true? And you're just like, because it is. You know, and, and I mean, you could say that. You know, I mean, you could stand strong in that too. Um, but sometimes it's just good to know and to learn, and, and we're responsible for that. I remember my um, Hebrew teacher, who was also my mentor in college, she once told me, because she gave me all these uh, resources to better learn Hebrew. And it's just awesome, right? And I was just just soaking it all up like a sponge. Um, and I was in the elevator one time, and we were going up to her office. And she goes, you know, back in the day, they didn't have a fourth of what we have today resource-wise, right? And I said, yeah, that's true. And she goes, and, and for them, you know, I think it's, there's a lot of grace, right? And she's like, but today we have all of this knowledge and all of these resources. And she, she told me, and it stuck with me forever, was that one day, you know, she was like, I believe we will be accountable to that, right? The fact that we have had all this resources and all this knowledge available to us and as Christians, that we have heeded that, right? Um, anyways, okay. So I will close with this. Um, I always, I always <laughs> close early because, you know, in youth, we always spend the last, like, 15 minutes or so, and we just hang out. 
uh, and we play volleyball, and we fellowship. Um, Because, you know, faith is relational. Faith is relational between us and Jesus. Faith is relational between each other. Um, And so... You know, it's, it's important. So we will end early. If you want a fellowship, if you want to play volleyball, no. Oh, we do have volleyball tournament coming up, though, for a MAPS team. Uh, but, yeah, you know, you can just take the time to do that because we are the hands and feet of Jesus, right, to each other, to the world. Um, and in times of uncertainty and in times of stress, um, we can be each other's support. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, okay, so here, here we'll close. Um, having courage is hard, but being paralyzed by fear is harder. Accepting help or asking for help can be hard, but doing life alone is harder. Taking responsibility and defending your faith, learning from others, can be hard. It can be humbling, right? But living a faith with no responsibility that never grows is harder. We aren't called to the easy life, but we are called to a good life, and Jesus is the best life there is. So let's uh, go ahead and pray. And like I said, if you guys want to chat afterwards, <laughs> um, we can uh, hang out. Or if you got kids, I know they're doing Christmas choir right now. Oh, just a quick thing uh, for anybody online or anybody in this room. Uh, Chelsea, her mom life group kicks off tomorrow. It's 9 to 11 in the Blue Chapel. Uh, and it's wonderful. Uh, it has been a saving grace for me because motherhood is hard. Uh, it's wonderful. It's the most joy. It's the joy of my life, but it's very, very challenging. Uh, and so it's so great to gather with moms, um, you know, and, and just, just hang out and be with people who also understand. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, that's happening tomorrow and and we have other life groups that are kicking off. Um, I just want to encourage you guys to, to find some place you fit because it's so important. And, and like I said, it can be a saving grace, um, for us as believers, especially when we go through stuff that's not fun. Uh, okay. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll be done. Thanks for listening guys. Good. Sticking with my, me and my random thoughts. Okay. Heavenly father, thank you so much again for tonight. Thank you that we're able to dive into your word, that we're able to learn more, that we have resources available to us, that we can learn and grow not only through your word, but through other believers as well. Father, normally at the end of youth, I ask for prayer requests. Tonight, I just want to lift up all the prayer requests we have in this room. You know each and every one of them. You know the struggles, you know the heartbreaks, you know the disappointments, you know everything that each one of us are feeling and each each request that's in our mind that we're just pleading out to you God you hear them all and we just lay them before your throne of grace Father we love you we're so thankful that you allow us relationship with each other relationship with you it is it is such a blessing to not have to walk this life alone that we, that we have you right next to us saying, take courage. And we have each other next to us saying, hey, take courage. I'm so thankful for that, God. I pray that you would bless each and every person in this room, online, be with all the youth tonight. Uh, just keep them all safe. Bless them. Father, we love you so much. 
And we thank you again for tonight and being able to gather in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store.